0: TheUltimateCoachBook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B.
1: George Stuby, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast.
2: Nice to be here with you. Thank you so much.
1: Well, or should I say DJ George Stuby? <laughs> what is your DJ name?
2: My DJ name is Kinsubi. Uh, Kin, Subi.
1: Kin Subi. Yes. Yes spell it for us
2: uh k k i n s u b y
1: and kinsubi
2: mm-hmm. the
1: last set that you played that we might have heard about was where
2: um that was at glastonbury festival Ooh,
1: glastonbury mm-hmm. <laughs> i think you might be our first guest that's uh Headlined at Glastonbury, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> I,
2: I, I didn't headline on Glastonbury. <laughs> but i played a set there.
1: Hey, you headlined the DJ tent or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that's 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 more than what uh, I could say so far. But I wonder if there'll be an opportunity for for someone like Steve Hardison to yeah. do a set at Glastonbury in the future. What do you what are your thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> that could happen, yeah. Huh? <laughs> sounds like a very fun idea. <laughs> I can see him dancing to that for sure. Yeah, like <laughs> how he is dancing while he's playing the records. Like that would be really fun.
1: Yeah, he's got some great moves for a uh, for a white guy.
2: <laughs> that, you said that.
1: Yeah, I can say that because I'm a white guy, and I got great moves too. And, and incidentally, George, my um ability to dance got way better when I gave up drinking and partying. Incidentally,
2: really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who
1: would have thought? Right? I don't know. <laughs> it was. um I think maybe with how off my head I was uh my my rhythm was all out and then when I was sober I was like all right, if I'm going to do this I'm going to have to do it properly just tapped into my um my inner dancing child
2: <laughs> beautiful
1: so George I wanted to to share something with you that came that came to me through um there's a guy called Dan Clark in Utah He's is a, a really successful motivational speaker he's a all of fame speaker and he's Um, was voted in the top 10 best speakers of all time. He shared a statement about if you're nervous before you're about to get up on stage and speak, it's because it's about you, not about the audience. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. So my question for you is what's a statement or a, a powerful anecdote that you've heard recently that's really had a big impact on your life?
2: I mean I I heard many, many of them during my whole lifetime. And when you asked in the in the last time, for, for me the last month I really connected to, to surrendering and to surrender more and and to let go more and more from my own preferences, from the made up things some people would say from my ego. And to really let life happen even more. And I know that's not a not a punchline or a one-liner, but that that's that's something that was really um really important for me in the in the last month. And and here's 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 the punchline. (laughs) I I love the saying of that that we are either in our thinking or in our life. So we're either occupied in our you know personal thinking that are. You know, going round and round like, like an old tape deck that are connected to our past or to our future, or we are really present in life and with the person, the human being, the universe in front of us. And for me, that's a really powerful distinction. And to know, you know, how does it feel like when I'm in my own thinking, when I use my own thinking to beat myself up, for example. And how does it feel like when I'm really open, really present and really there with somebody else or just with whatever I'm doing at this present moment?
1: I I love that you shared that, George. And I really put you on the spot. (laughs) I didn't prep you with that question at all. Steve said something a few times that that I use a lot, which I really love. He says, the power is in the listener, right? Mm -hmm. Power is in the listener. And every, every time I find myself doing that thinking that you're talking about, I'm like, Laban, just listen listen what what are some of the benefits that are the the pros that you're experiencing when you're in that place of being present
2: hmm. well one one benefit is that it feels good or that it feels great that it feels <laughs> like you know like i recently heard this expression of an ocean oceanic feeling like a feeling like you know the vastness of the ocean and i i, I love that expression Like this this vastness, openness, quietness, feel like gratitude, you know, just being there with whatever is in front of me. I mean that that's I think that's the biggest benefit of it. If you even want to call it a benefit, I think that's almost like like playing it down. (laughs) You could say, you know, I know when I feel like that, I know I'm really present. I'm really, really present. And and I would say another benefit is that in, in those moments, I really can do the thing that I'm doing in this moment to, to the best of my abilities right now. And I'm really serving fully to whatever is happening in this moment. And since you mentioned it, uh, yes, I'm a DJ. It's something I have been doing um, since I'm 15. So I'm 31 now, so for a very long time. And, um, it's a big passion of mine and one of the, you know, outlets of my passion for music, besides producing music and playing instruments and learning how to sing and, and many other things, um, sound engineering. I did a lot, or have been doing a lot of different things in music. DJing is one of them. And I can remember the first time where I was booked to play in a, in a, in a big club in, in Zurich like in one of the top clubs for electronic music there. And at this time, this was a club, a venue that I, you know, spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time there as a guest. And together with my best friend at this time, who also spent a lot of time there, we kind of pre-planned the whole set. And we thought about, okay, which records would work best at this time, And which records do I start with? And what's the second and the third? So we really had like a list of records. And I even went to the level of detail to kind of, you know, practice the the transitions. And and, and so I kind of planned this whole set. And it really sucked when I played it. It (laughs) really sucked. It was like the worst set. uh, One of the worst sets I think I've ever played. And here's why. Because it didn't connect at all to the present moment you know, me thinking about it beforehand, it just doesn't work like that. No, I I cannot know the, the vibe of the people at this moment in this venue. I cannot know how many people are there. I cannot know what serves this moment best. And this kind of preparing for that just doesn't work really well. And nowadays I know that Showing up in in the club with a selection of music in my record bag or on a you know on a, on a USB stick and knowing these records really well is the best I can do and then going there and just being open to about what wants to happen at this moment through me in cre- co-creation with the people in this venue and in co-creation also with uh, spirit I would say
1: this is such an interesting thing to say, George, and I, and I really resonate deeply with it um, from a speaking point of view. Uh, one of my mm-hmm, mentors mm-hmm. and coaches, a guy, Vin Jang, who's a, an Australian guy, um, Vietnamese uh, origin, became really one of the best uh, non-celebrity keynote speakers in the world, toured with people mm-hmm. like Gary Vaynerchuk and and was earning about 40000 per keynote US, which is just to give people some context, right? Like that's a, it's a really significant achievement. He was a magician by trade originally, and he perfected all of his magic. And, but the audience was not resonating at all with him, even though his magic was brilliant. And then he started learning about the power of using his voice as an instrument and stage presence and this kind of thing. And What he's done and what I learned from him is that for every one minute of speech, it's an hour of practice that needs to go into it. And what he does, he's written out a timeline of his life from birth to present and written down all the stories that have powerful anecdotes that can help people and spent the time to memorize them. And taking all the ums and ahs out so that when he tells them, people are present and connected. And what he does is he's able to have a conversation with someone and draw upon that story that relates to something that they are talking about in that moment and and deliver deliver it in a way that has the most amount of impact and meaning. And rather than Having a prepared speech that he's going to say anyway, no matter what the person says mm-hmm. and I think that's ties in beautifully with these this DJ set this impromptu but polished and refined way of, of engaging with people you are you are adequately prepared but you are present and just listening the power is in the listener mm-hmm. and then responding in that in that moment
2: yeah that's true yeah so so the way i understood is as this uh, speaker you know rehearsed his small stories and his anecdotes and really thought about you know how to tell them you could say that's almost like a musician or that's almost like me rehearsing like some licks with my guitar and some you know trying new things at home But then, when it comes to the when it's showtime, when it's the concert, or when he is doing his speak, speech, he is he's he lets go and he lets flow what wants to flow through him. And through this, he knows or he just intuitively goes to the story or to the part of one story, maybe that that makes sense in this moment. Yeah. That maybe wants to be told at this moment.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's more in an impromptu setting rather than, you know, being hired to do an event or whatever, where there is no audience engagement or very, very rarely. But if you're in like, he, he has retreats and he has these speaker camps and this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you just recently ran a retreat, George, and maybe you could talk about now that it, now that it's happened, what was mm-hmm. the level of preparedness that you, had going into this retreat
2: well well, you know the coachy thing to say would be i prepared for that my whole life which <laughs> <laughs> is very corny but there's some <laughs> you know there's some truth to that of course you know um so also this uh this uh experience with this dj set influenced the way i did this uh this whole retreat as many other things and as the Retweets that I've done before that, because
1: um, just before you answer this, George, we better yeah. we better let people know more about who you are. So, apart from mm-hmm. being a kick-ass DJ, how else do you define who George Stu is?
2: Hmm. I mean, in general, I like you know other people to define that for themselves. Something that comes to mind that somebody else said about me and that I found is you know what's quite funny is that. She said, "You are like you know, like a like a big and warm cup of cacao, and like deep in terms of like being very deep and very rich and nurturing." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought okay, I I remember that one. That's that's a that's a cute way to to talk about it. <laughs> um, besides that, a lot of people say like that I'm extremely open-minded, um, and just open to. To explore the world and open to really question everything that I've been told uh, by society or my upbringing, and to to find the things that really resonate with me, um, I would say that that's very that's a big point. Um, I have a big passion for music and arts, and yeah, and to explore. Human beings and and how our experience happens here on this planet, and I feel very connected uh, to spirit, um, mainly after experiencing a near death experience and an out of body experience in a very severe car crash, and um, yeah, and all of those are things that I love to explore and go deeper with, for myself and for my clients and everybody I'm I'm spending time with.
1: So I, I want to go into more detail about this this experience that you had, this near-death experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you finish off what happened with this retreat, and then we can mm-hmm. segue into that.
2: Yeah, of course. So the, the retreat, or how I like to call it the immersive, was called Inner Intuition Immersive. So it was all about intuition and how we can access it, how we can, you know, Live from and with it, and just use it to to enrich our lives and to really you know let go of all the things that we are not and be the things that we are and to and to really know how to how to let intuition or life guide us in our lives and that's what we explored in almost six days. And we spent uh, some time in a beautiful location in the south of Switzerland. Um, We went for like a two-day hike and spent the night in a mountain cabin and had like the sunrise on this mountain summit, which was spiritual and beautiful by itself. So it was really about slowing down and, and tapping more into this energy of life. And I think that also connects to this one liner that I mentioned at the beginning, like you're either in your thinking or in your life, um, getting out of thinking and landing in life and intuition and life energy. That was, yeah, that, 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 that's what we did and what we experienced uh, for those days on this immersive.
1: And how much planning went into the day to day, the minute by minute, the hour to hour?
2: So I love to. Work with a blend of hypnosis and music, so I'm, I'm creating like a live set. Like I'm creating live, I'm creating live ambient music on the spot with guitar and synthesizers and singing bowls and other things, and then use this as a foundation for hypnotic sound journeys. And that's a project that came into life uh, with my dear friend Sophie. And very often we do it together. Sometimes I'm doing it by myself. And that's, for me, an integral part of every day or every evening. And, I mean, in this project, there went a lot of planning. And also preparing, like, these journeys, that's something I planned a lot. Um But besides that, it was clear for me, you know, the basic structure of a day, I planned that. And then we sat down at the first uh, morning, and and I, you know, um, no, I think one of the participants asked me, "What is intuition for you?" And I said, "Well, how about using that discussion as a starting point?" And then we, I, I wrote down some things on a piece of paper, on a big piece of paper, and we explored everything from this moment. So really letting go. And 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 doing all the sessions on the things that came up in this moments was really beautiful for me. So in this part, there was not a lot of planning in terms of, well, workshop one is about this topic. Workshop two is about this topic. This is our syllabus. I'm not really believing in that when it comes to workshops because I want to do and explore the things that serve my clients best in this moment. It doesn't matter if it's a one on one session or a retreat or immersive and um does it answer your question?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh I, I wanted I wanted to to hear it to inspire others to not be so caught up in the details and just pay attention to listening. Um you were you were prepared. You were prepared with your lifetime of work. Yeah. And and I think that's from a coaching point of view that's the blank slate that I like to try and explain to people that are coming on board for the first time. You know, what's the process? What's the program? Well, there isn't one, you know, like you are an unbelievably unique beast as a human and <laughs> you deserve to be treated like one. Um, it doesn't matter that a lot of the principles, the universal principles work, but you've just got to work out the timing of it all, and uh, rather than just rushing through with, you know, this I can solve this problem, really letting people talk it out, and usually by by talking it out, they they make themselves aware of their own blocks anyway. In my own experience, um, yes. But Georgia, I got in, I'm staying with the in uh, near Salt Lake City mm-hmm. uh, with uh, dear friend Robert Scott Bell, who introduced me to Hugh. H U,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to play. Let me know if you can hear this. Fine yeah,
2: you can hear that?
1: You can hear this. This is like. Have you heard of this before? No, not yet. So, it's it's. How do I describe this? It's in so H U is an ancient name for God that has been sung for thousands of years in many lands for spiritual unfoldment. Today, people from every culture on earth sing the sacred sound of hue to bring deeper understanding into their lives. As you sing hue, look for comfort, peace, and calm in a light or sound, expanded awareness, a release of fears, answers to your questions, and a subtle sense of divine love. And it's um it stems from a practice of ecanism. Mm-hmm. have you heard of this before
2: no not yet
1: eck yeah E C K A N K A R, and that that little snippet that i played goes for 20 minutes i think um mm-hmm. i just uh that was just something that came to me as we were talking about this maybe you could incorporate that into a uh like a dj set somehow like wouldn't that be cool
2: yes absolutely
1: um uh, I want to I ask you about your, your relationship with Steve Hardison. You're on the Ultimate Coach podcast. Mm-hmm. Every, every guest that's been on the show has been impacted by Steve Hardison and the Ultimate Coach um, in some way, shape, or form. What's your relationship with Steve Hardison?
2: Well, I haven't been a coaching client of him, but I talked to him on the phone and, and we met um, in London at his event. And I, I listened to the book um, and read the book <laughs> and uh, some of the rare things that you find of him online. And the first thing that comes to mind is his expression of, I am that nobody is worthy of my judgment and that everybody is worthy of my love. And I, that's something that really stuck with me.
1: You said it one more time. You said it one more time.
2: I am that nobody is worthy of my judgment and that everybody is worthy of my love. And especially in moments where my, you know, my thoughts where my ego is getting loud, I reflect on this. And that's that's a big impact for me. Before I met him, I, I spent a lot of time and like letting go and opening my heart more, and like being and receiving and and living more in love. But the way he talked about it inspired me to to go even deeper into that. Um. So those are two big impacts that I, I think both tied to yeah, clearing the channels in a way to 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 be more in love with everything.
1: How do you think it's changed you as a coach? Hmm.
2: I would say through this i went even deeper into my belief that everybody is healthy on their deepest core in their essence and that this healthiness can never be scratched or removed because this essence is not coming from this world of form in the first place and going deeper into this and really seeing this the the whole time i'm talking to somebody um i think that that It had an influence in in going deeper into this. You know, I I talked a lot. I heard a lot about his coaching and that he's very, you know, that he can be very um, loud and very, you know, that he likes to confront people from time to time. And I reflected on if this is something that I want to incorporate into my coaching style, if that is something my clients would benefit from, and my decision was that I'm not doing that. Um, out of m- multiple reasons, so th- also that had an influence on on the way I show up as a coach. And I think it's always like that with with teachers and with mentors or idols that that it goes in both ways, right? That there are some things where you say, "Oh, this is something that really inspires me," and also that that you see or experience things and where where I say, "Well, those are things that I don't want to do." and where i've just believed in something differently and and in this regard it was also an inspiration
1: yeah i think a uh maybe a another load of language that you could use would be not right now not right now
2: <laughs> right? i could say I, that yeah yeah sure not well, right I, now uh,
1: well i i i heard this recently and it's just it's helped me a lot like nice. rather than saying Rather than saying hard and fast like there's what one, one thing I'm learning in my life in forty two and a bit years, George, is that making absolutes <laughs> is a dangerous pastime, right? Because I
2: agree with you totally on that. Like how, how much and have you evolved? Absolute.
1: <laughs> right, right. How, how much have you evolved in your thirty-one years on the planet? Like um, just in the last twelve months, in the last three months, mm. just like, you know, uh, I'm I've just finished reading a book called The Phoenix Protocol. Which is about mm. dry fasting, and um, which is no food or water, and
2: okay, wow, well.
1: yeah, and I've and I've, ex- and I've um, biohacked and experiment experimented with uh, water fasting, and I've done like four days water fasting before, and and felt really great afterwards. But the dry fasting component, if you'd told me about this two years ago, three years ago, I would have told you you were going to die, and you know, you can't go more than three days without water and all this stuff. These fast, dry fasting protocols, saying you know, they once they go past seven days and medically supervised till till eleven days, these people have a ninety five percent success rate in healing the most unbelievable uh, chronic disease, hmm. You know, c- cancers and and lots of uh, digestive disorders and and when you start understanding about the science of the body and and how it heals and stem cells that the body creates. It's absolutely mind blowing. So I just wanted to crowbar that in there because that might be helpful to someone listening to this. But I wanna I wanna follow up with this this thing we glossed over, this near death experience. Can you can you go into more detail about what happened in your life, George?
2: Yeah. Um, just to clarify that are you more interested in how like how this whole accident happened or what I experienced during the near-death experience and, and afterwards?
1: Oh well I'd love I'd love context and 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 all of it yeah tell
2: us <laughs> Okay so um the circumstances that led to that happened 9 years ago almost uh December 2013 and I was on the way from Zurich to um a very beautiful patch of the Swiss mountains with with two friends for we like what we planned as uh, a beautiful weekend of snowboarding. And so we were traveling in the car from Zurich to this um, part of the mountains. And at the beginning, you know, the mood was great. We were listening to some music, techno music and, uh, and had some good conversations. And at one point, you know, it got really late and we all really wanted to arrive at this, at this destination, at this, um, little town in the mountains and the person who had this urge the most was the driver and while I was like you know getting a little bit sleepy and drifting a little bit off I I kind of realized that the driver is going too fast and too rough and I also had the intuition to tell him that and to say you know slow down but I didn't do this because I didn't want to be the you know uncool person who complains about the the driving style of the driver, so I didn't say anything and the last turn before our destination was an elongated left turn and at w- at one part of it was iced so the driver lost control over this car and we were pushed out of this um of this left turn and hit like a massive wooden fence and you know, like a farmer's fence. So like massive wooden locks kind of spared the whole car. So it hit the car and went in through the windshield and left the car through the back shield. And my face was in between that. So every bone left of my nose was completely shattered. And I was completely knocked out for a few moments and then came back to conscious And was, uh, you know, in this body was this tremendous amount of pain. And it was super chaotic and, um, you know, super overwhelming for the other two persons in the car. They were not injured at all. Um, But, you know, it was very remote. It was late at night. It was dark. It was minus 10 degrees Celsius, snow everywhere. So (laughs) really, really bad uh, conditions for this whole situation, and in in midst of all of that, I would say I got quiet enough for 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 a split second in my thinking and realized or heard the guidance of you know leaving the body, or that this is possible, and and going to to this place outside of my body where I'm not feeling this pain and. The way I remember it was that that I was in multiple dimensions at the same time that I was able to speak to my friends, but also being outside of my body and like observing this whole scenery from above. And I also remember that I would say this, this, that the decision was made between, you know, between dying and living and i say the decision was made deliberately because i don't know if i made this decision or if something else made this decision but i remember this kind of crossroad moment and um and also this knowing of that that i'm not done yet on this on this planet as, as this human being and yeah then uh, then coming back to life and um you know, you would think that it takes, you know, Switzerland, the ambulance is there in two minutes, but it took them more than 40 minutes because it was so remote and far out there. So that was a fucking long time. Yeah. And then I woke up, I basically woke up um in the intensive care unit and the next day they had to fly me out with a helicopter and stuff. And I woke up there. And I knew that from this moment on, I really give myself the permission to follow my own passions. And I also knew that a very big part of the second life opportunity is about being in service for others. So that was a very profound experience and a very profound shift. And it's still a profound shift. There are still Details that that I you know that come back, and it's still there are still things to discover for me in this whole experience.
1: Wow. Well, we appreciate you sharing that, George, uh, mm. and it's inspiring, you know, because look at the gift that the world has been given now with the work you're doing and the people that you're able to impact. And 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 mm. for clarity, I suppose who are the who are the people that you tend to attract with the the coaching that you do do? Is there a particular demographic
2: so when i look on the demographics there is no pattern at all so <laughs> when i look at my former clients it's male female non-binary um between twenty-three, twenty-four 24 up to 70 something uh living in europe and the states and somewhere else on the planet <laughs> uh what else is there for demographics um <laughs> Occupation-wise, very diverse. <laughs> so when you look on demographics, yeah, human is definitely, definitely humans, yes. <laughs> yeah. And all of them, you know, already went through some for, form of crisis in their lives and found a lot of depth in this and a lot of power and strength. Um All of them... Are very open when it comes to spirituality and being connected to spirit all of them feel a bigger calling to contribute something in this world all of them know how it feels like to be present and to be connected and I would say even be the the big self, and all of them also know how it feels like to, to be, to draw, you know, to drown in their own thinking and to be completely occupied by their small self and to, to feel self doubt, to feel fear of rejection, to feel um, the fear of uncertainty in the future, to, to, to feel like regrets to things they did in the past. Uh, all of them, all of them know, know this very human parts very well. And, and those, they, they know how, how it feels to be in the grip of their own ego. But they've also seen that there's a different way or that, that they're different, that we are multi dimensional beings, you know, that, that we are more than our thinking, that we are more than our ego, that we are more than our past. And they want to explore that more and they want to live more from intuition and they want to really let go of, of the things that, that are in the way, so to speak. And also of like false concepts of themselves that they created innocently and also that were kind of imposed on them from society and their upbringing and all those things. So th- those are similarities that I see in my class. <laughs> and they are all very artistic. They were all artistic. They're, they're all, you know, very sensitive beings. They all have something to express and they all want to, to establish that more. And they are all people who are pretty successful in their lives. But maybe have bottled up this creative passions, or they bottled up their intuition um at least for a long while in their lives because they really you know bought in all this in my opinion bullshit of you know being super rational and super planned and super um heady and all of that uh, basic values in our societies,
1: yeah, so George. How do people find you, brother?
2: There are multiple ways to find me. One way would be Instagram, which is I am Georg Stubi. That's G E O R G S T U B Y. Um, my website for coaching is portal to creation, like door to creation, portal to creation.com. If you just Google my name, you will find uh, all those things. And you always can reach out uh, via email, which you also find on my website. Or if you want to know it here, it's mail at Georg one word dot com.
1: So good, George. And, and uh, if I was looking distracted before, I was trying to find <laughs> some tracks on Spotify that I could quickly pump into the uh <laughs> into the into the podcast, but I'll let people find that through your through your social media there. George, yeah. uh, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today?
2: Concluding thoughts. Well we we touched a lot of topics today, right? With um intuition, with um like opening up to the person moment. And we shared both shared some like you know ideas and opinions and for for me you know it's all about finding our own truth and what works for us and as a coach that's that's what i focus on like to to support people in finding their own truth and their own wisdom and and that's something i just emphasize a lot that there is no one blueprint for life all of we are all human that unify. we are all spiritual being in my opinion but we are also all unique so there is no one blueprint and just there to to find your own way this is my concluding thought and and how important that is and how i think toxic it can be to to promise people the one way that works for everybody and I would really encourage everybody to, 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 to find their own way and to be open to, to do that and to, to find themselves through that too.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, George Stubbe. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit TheUltimateCoachBook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com. That's www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.